Hello, welcome to Talk with Christians. Glad you're all here today. Uh, we have some awesome guests. And let's start off with Corey. Corey, tell us about who you are, where you're from, and what you're doing in the kingdom. All right. Uh, my name is Corey Tackett. Um, I'm from Corsicana, Texas, but I'm currently the minister in uh, Coons, Texas, at the Coons Church of Christ. Um, I've been here for almost a year, coming up on it in December at least. Um, and that's what I'm doing. Awesome. That's <laughs> good. Donnie, how about you? My name is Donnie Vick. I preach for the Rome Church of Christ outside Lebanon, Tennessee. I've been here since uh, November. Uh, so we moved and then the pandemic hit. Uh, so interesting times. But I've uh, been here uh, since November. I've uh, been preaching for about 10 years full time. I graduated from Memphis School of Preaching in 2010 uh, from Ambridge in 2018 with a, a master's. Um, my wife and I have three children and one on the way. Uh, so we are quite busy. I also have a, a website, pulpitpidea.com, uh, that uh, has not been very active since I moved, but uh, hopefully we'll get back to it very soon. That's awesome. Me. Thanks, Donnie. Wayne, how about you? Hello, I'm Wayne Pinkley. I, I live in Clarksville, Tennessee. I am a deacon and an adult Bible class teacher at the Ashland City Church of Christ just outside of Nashville. Uh, in addition to the work that I do there, my son and I also host a Facebook page called A Preacher's Reflections. And on that, we have a Sunday evening uh, sermon, and it's usually brought by some of our friends and sometimes by Kenneth or I. And also in there, I have a, a regular Sunday morning Bible class. Right now, we're studying through the book of First John. Awesome. Great book, too. You know? Yes. That's, yeah. And, uh, my name is Titus Blair. Uh, I work at Talk with Christians and also do uh, other things. I'm an evangelist in New Zealand, I'm spreading the good news here. And like you guys have mentioned, like there's so much great stuff online now. And I would encourage any Christians out there in any way to use uh, social media and anything else you can to get the word out because we, there's not enough of people out there spreading the good news. So I appreciate you guys and all you're doing. Uh, let's get into our topic today, which is an, a, a great one. I, I really like it because it kind of shows the perspective of Jesus from someone on the outside, maybe. And we're going to get into that verse. So the, the topic is never a man spoke like Jesus. The Bible would say this man, but it's referring to Jesus. So never a man spoke like Jesus. And we're getting that, uh, that comes from John chapter 7, verse 46. So in the Bible, there's the book of John, which talks about Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talk about Jesus and the life of Jesus. And so this is in John 7, 46. And there were some soldiers or uh, officers sent to, uh, to get Jesus, like to apprehend him, you know, to, to, to get him and take him to the, the religious leaders. And so they come back to those leaders, and this is what they say. The soldiers said to them, never a man has spoken as this man speaks. So I'm going to get right into the question here, because this is one that we're going to talk about. Why do you think the words of Jesus are so special to the soldiers? Uh, what do you guys, you know, because you, if we read a little bit earlier in the story, Jesus says something. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on what do you think those soldiers heard based upon what we've read and the things you know in your life about Jesus that was so impactful for them? Well, I think one of the cool things about this statement is um, you see it multiple times in Scripture. You see it multiple times in the New Testament. 
Um, these officers are making that statement of no man has spoken like him, but it's been made before. Um, you know, my mind goes to the Sermon on the Mount at the end, uh, Matthew chapter seven, I believe it's verse 29 or so. Uh, the people marvel because he's teaching with authority. Um, Mark chapter 15, verse 39 is going to be the culmination of uh, really the book of Mark. Uh, the centurion, the guard makes the confession of truly this is the son of God. And so you see confessions being made um, about his teachings or about his deity. And here it's just no different. Um, another place that I, I like to go to is Matthew 13. I believe it's about verse 44, 45. He's teaching and he's in his hometown of Nazareth and the people aren't accepting uh, of him. They question him. Isn't this the son of a carpenter? How can he teach this? How can he do this? Um, because during this time, if you're not educated in the Old Testament, if you weren't uh, a scribe, if you weren't these well-educated scholarly people, you were expected not to be teaching on these things or, or know any of this. Uh, and so in Matthew 13, when he is teaching, they've known him his entire life. And so he's teaching all of these things, being a carpenter. And here in our, our, our text in John chapter 7, it's the same thing. People don't know him as this scholar or this great teacher, this well-spoken preacher. Um, but the words that he say, uh, that he teaches, uh, resonate with people. And so it resonated with this officer or temple police, as it's uh, they're often called, as well, these, these guards around the temple. Um, and it's so cool because it's exactly the people who everyone expects to teach. It's the scholars, it's the religious leaders, it's the Sanhedrin council that tell this guard to go get Jesus and bring them, bring him to them. And they go and he marvels at the things that Jesus is teaching. And he, he comes back empty handed and he says, well, nobody teaches like him. And it's almost a slap in the face to them because it's blatantly saying y'all don't teach like him. Uh, he is better spoken than even y'all. And I, uh, later down in the couple of verses, they even uh, they question him in verse 47. Are you also deceived? How many of us believe in this man? How many of, of us well educated? I, it, uh, my translation, the New King James, um, quite literally says any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him. Um, so basically, they're trying to put this guard on a lower lower level. Are you also one of these lower people who are deceived by this man who has no education, no background, and so they're marveling in that? Um, so that's one of the cool things I think we see here in just who he is as a person speaking. But then you go and you look at what he's actually saying, and it's just as great in talking about the Holy Spirit and talking about hypocrisy and talking about who he actually is um, and when they're questioning uh, could this individual be the christ is, is someone going to come after him to perform more miracles or better miracles and it, it really is just the message of who he is you know him that he is there to save them he doesn't come out and blatantly say that here um, as he will in other places but i mean the message his message throughout is the same and so it's really just cool to see this lowly guard, at least in the eyes of the Pharisees, 
understand who he is, but it's the higher ups, the Sanhedrin Council, the more the well-educated people who just can't comprehend that this carpenter is teaching and has the knowledge that he has. It's just a really cool area, a really cool statement and understanding that this man has. Well, and also, yeah, thanks, Corey. That's good, man. But also, like, he came back empty-handed, which is probably not a lot, mm-hmm. not permissible, isn't it? Like he, you, he's yeah. supposed to go get him. Like he didn't get the guy. He didn't, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. And soldiers are supposed to do what they're supposed to do. So something yep. told him, Hey, I can't, I can't get him. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, what about you guys, Donnie and Wayne? What do you got? Well, I thought in general terms, uh, first, uh, when I saw the topic, um, I thought about Matthew seven, two, uh, he spake as one having authority, not as the scribes. Uh, of course, they were astonished at his doctrine there in Matthew 7. Um, I also thought about Acts 1.1. 1, 1, uh, never a man spake like Jesus because he actually did what he taught. So Acts 1.1 1, 1 says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And so, you know, if you're watching the show and you're wondering uh, what kind of person Jesus was, he was sincere and genuine. He practice what he preached. He's the only preacher who has ever been able to perfectly practice what he preached. Um, Amen. <laughs> so uh, we all fall short, but we do our best. And then I thought about John 6. And as I was studying John 6 and John 7 today, you really got to put these two chapters together. Um, because in John 6, he feeds the 5,000. And then he he says, you know, you're laboring for the meat that perishes. You need to labor for the, the meat that endures to everlasting life. And then uh, he goes on to talk about how he is the bread of life. And so after that, he then says, uh, you, know, you know, Moses gave you bread and you got hungry again, but I'm giving you um, bread that endures. And then, you know, many left him then, right? Because they said it was a hard saying. Um, but then you come to chapter seven where they're having the the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, Verse 2 says that this is the Feast of Tabernacles. And in verse 37, so after the officers are dispatched from the Sanhedrin uh, to arrest Jesus, Jesus is standing in the temple, and verse 37 says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst." Let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Um, now, the officers are hearing that at this point, right? And so there was something about what Jesus said that got their attention. And mm-hmm. so uh, if you, you do some digging here, on each day of the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, they would bring water. They would bring uh, great big jugs of water from the pool of Siloam, and they would pour it at the base of the altar in the temple. Well, that's basically where Jesus is standing here, right? Uh, and so on the last day of the feast, uh, they would read uh, from Zechariah 14, uh, 6 through 18, which talks about when the Messiah comes, he's going to bring rain. He's going to bring water with him. Well, Jesus is saying here in the temple, if you're thirsty, come to me and I'll I'll give you life. Uh, And so when Jesus is saying this, he's saying 
I'm the Messiah, basically. He's saying, I'm the one that you're looking for. And then uh, in verse 40, they say of a truth, this is the prophet. Now, uh, they believe that the Messiah would bring water and bread just like Moses did. And so in John chapter 6, he says, I'm the bread of life. And then John chapter 7, he says, I'm the water of life. And that caused many people to, to revolt against him. But uh, it got these these officers' attention. And they said, this guy is claiming to be the Christ. No one has talked like him. And so I've got some other things written down here, but I'll I'll be quiet for now. That's good stuff, man. Thank you, Donnie. That's awesome. Wayne, what about you? Yeah, I was going to go along the same line as what Donnie was talking about, but I was going to go a couple of chapters even further before and, and talking about the way that Jesus could talk to someone and, and, and reach them in a way that no one ever had before. And I'm thinking in chapter four about the Samaritan woman that he bumps into at the well. And again, this concept of the living water comes up in a conversation with her. And at one point she, in I'm looking uh, in chapter four and it's in verse 28, or excuse me, verse 29. The woman leaves her water pot, went away into the city and said to the man, come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? By the conversation with the woman, when she first begins, the conversation is, why are you even bothering to talk to me? You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. You're a man and I'm a woman. Uh, let me alone and let me get my water and go back. And Jesus says, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me for the water and you would ask that I could give you water that would never run out. And through a conversation of only a few verses here in, in this section of John, she reaches a point to which she says, this, this might be the Christ. And she goes to find everyone that she can and says, come see this man and let him talk to you in the way that he's talked to me. And so I wonder with these officers that went to pick up Jesus as they came close to him, if he simply stopped and talked to them about who they were and about why they were here and who he was and offered again this concept of the life. And all of a sudden they felt that same sensation in their heart that she did on that very same day as this is this is not some criminal. This is not someone who's out here making up some wild tale. This this might actually be the Christ. And and I'm not going to bring him in as a prisoner if this is the Christ himself. And the other thing that I thought of is this had been a time period when there has been really no prophet other than John the Baptist who had come. And whenever they would ask him, he would say, no, it's not me. But there is one who is almost here. And he is the one. And then Jesus comes onto the scene. And so once again, all of these prophecies are being fulfilled. And Jesus spoke like no one else did. Yeah. And, and I, I, I pray that people who are listening and watching you know, through the show today, maybe, and also reading, if they could read the, the Gospels about Jesus, um, that you'll you'll get to encounter him like the Samaritan woman, right? Or like these this officers, or which will be our next thing we're going to get into how each of us has encountered Jesus, right? Like each of us has had that opportunity to hear and say, never has a man spoke like this man. You know, and so we're going to go to the next question here, which is how have Jesus's words changed your life and the lives of those around you? So those are two things. We also like to talk about ourselves in the show, you know, and this is real. Like people listening, we're just like you. <laughs> we're just the same as you. We struggle with all the things that people struggle with. 
the only thing is that we have Jesus as someone who we follow, right? And he's able to walk that path for us and we're able to see how he lives. So how is how has Jesus' um, words changed your life, number one? And each of you guys can tell me about it, and I will too. And then the lives of those around you, if you've seen that too, as part two. How about Donnie this time? <laughs> okay. Well, um, you know, I've been reading the words of Jesus my whole life. Um, and so um, my whole life is, you know, connected to Scripture, basically. Uh, and um, I wouldn't know how to live life without Scripture and without the words of Jesus. Um because he is our Lord, and um, we have to submit to him. I was at my brother-in-law's house, um, Richard Harp. I think you're going to speak with him uh, coming weeks. Uh, and he and I were watching a video of some denominational preacher. And in this in this video, the guy has the gall to say, "If you loved me, you would submit to me." And I'm thinking. Um, it's not you, it's Christ that we're to submit to. And, um, it's amazing. Uh, we, we don't follow a man. We don't follow, uh, someone that's, that becomes bitter like that preacher had become. It was obvious, but we follow Jesus. Uh, the one that, as we said earlier, he's, you know, sincere, he's genuine. He wasn't a hypocrite. He perfectly preached or he perfectly practiced what he preached. Uh, and so we we follow him. We're we're his disciples. I've got a a lesson I like to do around the beginning of uh, the spring or, or the beginning of the school year about being in the school of Jesus, and that's that's what we're we're all doing. We're all uh, in his school. We're all his disciples, his students. That's basically what that means. And um, you know, we all have more that we can learn. Certainly, I do. Well, Donnie, like uh, if, a, so if a person came to you and was going to kill you and uh, said, you know, deny Jesus uh, or I'll kill you. Right. What is the reason that you don't that even your life like, you know, you're you're in your life, you've lived it out. What's the reason that you hold to Jesus even greater than your life? Like, what, why? Why wouldn't you deny Jesus? Let's say that. Why wouldn't you deny Jesus? Well, he gave his life for me. Uh, and so I owe him my life, even if it costs my life. Uh, yeah. And. Um, I've been studying the book of Acts and seeing, you know, the Apostle Paul everywhere he went. Basically, uh, his life was threatened and he mm -hmm. kept preaching. And then in Acts 21, he, he's warned several times not to go to Jerusalem because bad things are going to happen in Jerusalem. And he goes anyways. <laughs> and the hope that we have in Christ is to be our anchor. Uh, and no matter what happens, um, you know, we're to serve him, even if it costs our life. And Amen. Um, I know there are places in the world where that's a very real possibility. Um, but even in America, I mean, we've got some governors saying you can't go to church. You can't sing in church. Uh, and we've got to make a decision. That's a small decision. It seems pretty easy. Uh, but. Things are changing, it seems. Yeah, exactly. And Jesus doesn't change, does he? Mm -mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great. Thanks, Donnie. How about Wayne? You're next. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Titus. And, and I'm going to kind of 
take a step a little bit out of the words of Jesus, if you don't mind, and talking about my personal story and go to the lesson. I actually preached this sermon yesterday at Ashland City. The, I was, I've been studying through the book of First John. And in John, First John chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And I talked about the fact that as Christians, we're not supposed to sin. But I've had a time in my life as an adult, even though I was I grew up in the church. My dad was a minister. I've had a time in my life as an adult. I, I wandered away and I got completely away. And and if we just if we just think about that, what happens when you when you wander away? Well, John will say they're still in verse one of chapter two of first John. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation or the satisfaction for our sins and not for ours only, but for the whole world. At that time, when I had wandered away from Christ, he was still there as my advocate. And all that I needed to do was to return to him. And he was still the satisfaction for my sins. And I felt while I was away, I felt him pulling me on a regular basis. I I, I couldn't be happy where I was because I, I needed to be with Jesus. I couldn't be Jesus with Jesus where I was because I knew I couldn't live my life that I was living. And so when I came back, I was able to give myself to him again and, and open my heart to him. He became again my advocate. He became the satisfaction, the atonement for my sins. And that is such an amazing thing to know that Jesus wants us and he will be there to help us during our times of struggle and need. Well, yeah, it reminds me of the prodigal son. Wayne, why don't you tell us a little bit about that story? Because it sounds similar. You know, it, it, is a, it is a beautiful story that that Jesus tells as a, as a parable about a father and a son. The, the son, he has two sons, one who comes to him, maybe the younger son, and says, I want all of my inheritance now. And, and he gets it and then he runs off and he spends it in, in a wild lifestyle. The older son stays and works for the father. And when the young boy comes back, the father is not only happy to see him, but is actually sitting on, in my mind, sitting on the front porch, looking down the road and sees first a body and then a son and runs down to meet him and is so happy to find him again. And the big brother doesn't really understand, but the father says, my son was dead, but now he's alive again. And so that desire to have us back, even when we've wandered away, is such an amazing aspect of God and of Jesus. And it has a way of changing our life completely and totally. Um, and, and those around me that I have seen, uh, so many people that I have sat with and talked to have just said things like this to me, and perhaps to you, Titus, as well, that if you only know had known what I had done, if you only knew what I've done in my past, then you would understand that Jesus, Jesus could never use someone like me. Mm-hmm. And I'll take them back sometimes to the Gospel of John, either to the to the woman at the well who had been married five different times and was living at that time with a man who was not her husband, and yet Jesus took time to spend with her, or even with the woman caught in the very act of adultery, Jesus took the time to spend with her uh, in the Gospel of John as well. There are so many encounters where people who were sinners and sinful in their nature come in contact with Jesus, and Jesus changes them from who they were to who God wants them to be. Uh, that last sentence is awesome. Who who they were to who God wants them to be, you know? And I, I think that's what we're talking about here. Every, people, if you're if everybody's listening and watching the show, is Jesus went to the leper. No one would touch the lepers, and he went to the leper. No one would touch the prostitutes. No one would go near them and talk to them. No one would talk to the tax collectors. 
He said, I require mercy and not sacrifice. It means that he teaches us to love even when it doesn't make sense to love your enemies. These are the things that I think, Wayne, you've, you've said it perfectly, is we all wander, you know, in our, we may have had a, this or done that. And nothing that you can do can separate you from God until you're dead. You know, so even if you are the last year, day of your life, turn back to God, turn to him, come to you, you get to know who, who Jesus is and the salvation that he brings through his life and death. So it's never too late till you're dead. And yet, if you're listening to this show, you're not dead. <laughs> so, so remember that if you can see that. Corey, what about you, man? Yeah, so uh, I wasn't raised in the church. Um, I was raised in a denomination, and so I knew about Jesus, um, but I really didn't know Jesus. Uh, I mean, growing up, my mom would read uh, the Bible to me. Uh, I would hear about Jesus. I would hear about the love of Jesus, um, and we would go to church services. Um, not as regularly as some people, but I mean, we were there and I would hear messages about this, but I never really knew Jesus. Um, but when I was in high school is when I started, I guess, getting more a little bit more curious um, and probably being an arrogant kid, um, hard headed at, at sometimes. I thought I knew everything about Jesus because I thought, at least personally, I probably cared more. I loved Jesus more than other people, but I didn't really know him. Um, and so when I uh, started studying, uh, I was invited to uh, services by one of my friends to the church. Um, and the message was just, in my opinion and from my experience, just deeper. Uh, there was more of a care, more of a, a passion there uh, of just wanting to know Jesus even more than some of the people there already did. Um, and the love that they were showing, uh, I mean, were, was just a reflection of the love that Jesus shows. I mean, they were quite literally being witnesses of Jesus, letting their light sh shine. Um, and so when I went there, just as a visitor, I was um, bombarded is probably the wrong word uh, because it wasn't uh, a bad thing, but I was just surrounded by people who just were happy that I was there. Uh, and it was a relatively large congregation, about 200 people. Um, and more than half of them I probably met that day. Um, and so I started going there, started studying with the youth minister a little bit, um, but I was stubborn. Um, didn't want to overcome some of the, the differences that um, we were bumping heads on and things that we disagreed with. Um, and again, probably just being hard-headed and stubborn, I, I still didn't know Jesus. I still wasn't reading scripture like I should have been. I wasn't studying it. Um, I thought I had all the answers because I had been told all the answers. And so my foundation and my background was everything my parents had taught me, my preachers uh, before had taught me in denominations, uh, friends had said, um, not to shoot at social media, but it's like social media. I was like social media back then. I believed whatever I read, whatever I heard, uh, without having a source to cite. That's just, I, I that's what I said. I didn't have book, chapter, verse. And so when I started studying scripture, um, the truth was revealed. Um, I think first and foremost, just the love that, that you see in the New Testament, the love that Jesus showed um, first to God and then to us as well is just blatant. Um, and other congregations I had been to um, in denominations, 
there was um, a love there. I'm not going to say that there wasn't, uh, but not a- as much as I felt with God's people. Um, and I've been to other congregations. It's still the same. I just feel the love uh, of Jesus being around his people, his church. Um, and so that's when I started, I guess, more developing a relationship with Jesus. I knew about him and now I was getting to know him. Um, it, it was more of uh, the way I always look at it. It's like a friendship. Uh, you're acquaintances until you get to know each other. Uh, and Jesus already knew me uh, and I didn't know him. Uh, and before I thought I cared enough, but I didn't. I, I didn't care enough to get to know him, to study his word, to see who he was. And when I started doing that and seeing what he wanted from me, what he required from me uh, to have, what he offers for us, the salvation, uh, the love uh, that he gives us in that salvation, um, that's when I started understanding. But it took uh, it, it took time in scripture. To, it took time talking with Jesus um, through his scripture of having him uh, and getting to know him in that way. Um, and I, I've seen it in uh, a lot of people's lives. Uh, y- y'all mentioned uh, it just a, a minute ago of people saying, I'm just not good enough. Uh, I-, I can't tell you how many people I've encountered that have said the same thing. Um, and second to that is probably, um, well, it, I, I get what you're saying. I see what scripture says. But if I admit that, then I'm admitting that my parents were wrong or that my preachers, pastors before were wrong. Uh, and and I understand that completely because that's what I had to do. I had to admit that they were wrong to understand uh, what the truth was that I'm I'm seeing before me. Uh, and so that's how I got to know Jesus is ju- just reading His Word, having people show me Jesus in their lives. Um, Romans chapter thirteen verse ten says, "Love does no harm to a neighbor, uh, but is the fulfillment of the law." Uh, and that's what Christianity is all about. That's what Jesus was all about, well, it was love. And so when we go to all of these different congregations or denominations, you don't see love, you're not seeing Jesus. And so that's what really brought me in and to understand the Lord's people and to understand Jesus himself is seeing the love just flowing from people, um, his people, Christians. Uh, and that's really what brought me in and helped me understand who he was and then reading his uh, word. Uh, clarified everything for me. Uh, that's but that's how how I got to know Jesus. That's awesome because you. Uh, it's I don't know if we all realize or can take it in, but being able to change your mind about something, especially your religion, let's say, is tough. And I don't want to take it lightly. Uh, I talk to Muslims and and um, Mormons and all kinds of people from different mm-hmm. beliefs, and you can't just look at it and say, "Come on, it's so easy." No, it's not easy because you're 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 trapped in a mindset yep. in a in a culture, maybe in a family. The decisions that you have to make to follow God, Jesus said, are deny yourself. You have to die. You have to like literally say, "I am nothing." You know, and that's the hardest thing is is that you, Corey, could you know you had to. It's not easy, right? It wasn't easy to no no no. It's not like it's so we know you who are listening. If you might be an atheist or an agnostic or someone who has a spiritual sense or something, we realize as Christians um, and Jesus followers and some of us here that it's not easy to change our minds when we might question the things we believe. And I know I'll just transition right into me. Like, you know, I I, uh, I grew up in the church, probably like, I don't know if Donnie did, it sounded like he uh, maybe Wayne too. 
we grew up in the church and knew the Bible, you know, from a little kid. But I didn't really know uh, God. <laughs> I knew the Bible, like I could, I could quote it, you know, and and argue with anybody about the Bible. And but I never knew God. I never knew the love of God because I knew the the mind of God, you might say, like His words. But I didn't know His love. And so I, I I easily distracted myself with worldly things, you know, you know, going after this and going after that. So I, I could still say I was a Christian mentally, but I could do everything with my heart that were not close to God. So in my mind, I was a Christian, Jesus follower, and in my heart, I was not. But I didn't really draw that conclusion. I thought, you know, look, I'm good. I know all the right things. I can check all the boxes. And then uh, one day I sat and, and realized I was spinning my wheels. I was chasing all these things in the world. They would all burn and fade away, you know, whether you believe, by the way, in God coming back and destroying the earth or you believe that the universe was created by evolution. Either way, the universe ends. <laughs> okay, so we're on a common ground here, folks. If you're listening, the universe will end. Any scientist anybody will tell you one day in the far future, it's all going to end. So whether you're a Christian or not, this life we live today is going to end. So we have to remember that. So I found that out. I was like, wait, hold on. So the things I invest my time into, if I try and do a business or whatever these things, it's not going to matter when I die. It doesn't really matter. In fact, how many kids I have and how famous I am, none of it will matter. The thing I say often is even the footprints on the moon will fade away. <laughs> even if you think this guy landed on the moon, the first person, it won't matter. So I, I realized that and I said, what does matter? And that's where the, the parable of the, the pearl, you know, the pearl of great price came in where it says there's a, a pearl merchant. He knew him pearls. He knew about what was valuable. And he kept going after the little pearls. And it says one day he came upon a great pearl, like the probably the best he'd ever seen, ever would see in his life. And he sold it, everything he had to get that one pearl. And I think uh, when you realize that the pearl of this world is not this world, it's Jesus, that God's son came. God literally sent his son so that he could touch us as a human being. And he 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 could hug he could hug and comfort those who were who were sick, and he could talk to them. He spent his time with them. He could have just said, "Hey, everybody, come to me," right? He could have said, "Look, I'll sit here in this town, and everybody just in the whole area, just come to me. I, I don't want to spend my time going out there." But he actually walked streets. He got dirty. He was uncomfortable. He was cold. All those things that we do, he was doing it because he loved God so much, and. It says God so loved us that he sent his son. So we got through Jesus, like I think Corey said, or Wayne, Don, that we got a demonstration of how to love God through Jesus and how to love each other. So that love that I saw makes me wear a shirt every single day that says Jesus wants you in heaven. It makes me want to go and talk to people every single day because it's not about me. It's about the lost. That's what I learned, right? So Jesus taught me that I have a purpose and a mission, and that's to have a love so powerful demonstrated through him, through him, through Jesus, a love for God and man that will change my life, but also changes the lives of everybody else from being an alcoholic, from being a child abuser, from being a murderer, to being someone who's right with God. That's awesome. So that's the power we have, folks, as Christians, is we don't have the power to take over the world and to, you know, command all these powerful forces. We have something more powerful than that. Because what can change a heart? What can change a heart? You know, so that's what I'm asking you as you're listening um, in this story. And I want you guys to tell me if you think of any uh, any other stories that you have of a life that was changed, 
I'll tell one story real quick after you guys go. Uh, I'll tell one more story that I have about a life that was changed just recently because of Jesus. And I'll tell you how, how that happened. But uh, Wayne, Donnie, Corey, what do you, you guys got anything you can think into your mind? And it could even be from the Bible, by the way, like you know, a story that you remember from the Bible or someone really changed. But tell us a real story of somebody that uh, you, apart from yourself, that you saw, wow, this is, I didn't think they could change. <laughs> Corey, it sounds like you, man, and me too. You know, we, we didn't think we were going to yeah. change. Like we're stuck. <laughs> I've got a story that I'll share with you, Titus, and it, it's it's one that, to me, it's very precious. It's it's not in my family, but it's some some young ladies that I know from from church. Uh, it's a, two twins. They're almost identical. I can I can tell them apart when they're standing next to each other, but I can't always tell which one's which. Uh, they are that much alike. And they were they were not raised in church. Their family does not go to church. They had no association with church or religion of any type. And and the, the minister's wife, where I go to church, was working as a school counselor. And she came in contact with these young ladies uh, somewhere in the middle of their, maybe the early portion of their high school years. And, and they just began to see a difference in who she was. And she didn't go to them immediately and begin to say, oh, by the way, I'm a preacher's wife and I have and all of these different things. But she just showed kindness, compassion, and she just lived a life. And she is this type of person who is just different. And, and you know, there's something unique and special about her. And those two girls were drawn to her. And then one day they showed up at our congregation and they began to come by themselves, without their parents. And and then I remember the day that, that they both were baptized into Christ, and now they are freshmen going to school at Fred Hardeman University, a, a church school, and they, they are just different young people today. And they're still young people today, but their lives are 100% different. And what made a difference to them was Jesus living in the life of a lady that they saw in their everyday world, someone that they just saw in an office at the school building. And that is how powerful Jesus can be when we let him live through us, that people will see our lives. And if they're seeing Jesus in our lives, they will want to know, why are you different than other people that I see? That's awesome. The power of love, right? Like the love when people hurt you and you forgive. Yeah, that's good, Wayne. Thanks for sharing that. And I'm excited for their future because they actually have a bright future. You know, when you focus on God, you have a bright future because your future is literally bright. The light of heaven, you know, the light of God. (laughs) If you don't focus on God, you you have a dark future because you're focused on darkness and you don't know what to do and there's no direction. That's cool. Bright future for those two. I think about one example. Um, When I was at Freed Hardeman, I went to uh, Mexico for the, the summer uh, to study. We weren't there on a mission trip or anything like that. Uh, but my roommate and I, you know, we weren't just interested in studying Spanish. <laughs> my roommate found a, a girl from a, another college that was at this Spanish school uh, that he was attracted to. And uh, they started talking and um, she picked up pretty quickly that we were different. Uh, We weren't going out drinking. We weren't going out and doing all kinds of different things that all the other American kids down in Mexico were doing uh, while they were at this school. And we began studying with her. And um, we had several studies. We were there for a period of six weeks. And 
I think over the course of about two weeks of studies, and you know, I remember one night we studied way late into the evening, and we were looking at Acts 22 and verse 16, and uh, my friend and I uh, just looked at her and said, why are you waiting? And so we went, everybody has a pool in Mexico, uh, just about, at least where we were, and so we went, and uh, she was baptized that night, uh, but now, you know, see, that would have been in, would have been about 14, 15 years ago. Um, they're married now. Uh, they ended up getting married about maybe less than a year after they met in Mexico. It was pretty, pretty quick. Uh, but they're married and uh, have children and they're both uh, involved in Hispanic ministry down in Louisiana and mm. doing great work. Uh, and so um, just being different uh, and living an example and having, and we, we kind of underestimate our example. Sometimes we talk about it, uh, but if we're not really actually demonstrating how we're different from the world, then uh, we're not going to attract people to Christ. People have got to see a difference in Christians and, and everybody else or else you know, we're just like everybody else. Yeah. You're kind of like a light with the Jesus would say, no one puts a basket over the light. When when mm-hmm. when you embrace the world, you're putting the basket over the light that you have. <laughs> you know, being like the world. Corey, what do you got? Thanks, Donnie. Uh, yeah, so uh, I haven't been uh, preaching here in Coons uh, very long, but uh, when I, we, my wife and I first moved here, uh, a couple was here, um, and they helped us move in. Uh, and I can talk uh, about this individual we met him and I, honestly i thought he was raised in the church he just had that uh knowledge uh, persona about him of that uh, he's been a christian for a long time um but i came to find out that he and his wife hadn't been christians for very long for i think a couple of years or so but they were just great people uh, me and my wife we connected with them they're about our age um connected with them pretty quick uh, just good-hearted people uh like i said he's uh, he and his wife are both in a preaching school at bear valley uh, Bible Institute in Colorado, um, just great people. They were students, and so we nerded out, preacher nerds, uh, talking about scripture, different opinions on things. Great conversation. They went back to school uh, during the summer. They came back for their break, and um, yeah, got to know them a little bit better. And it's still great people. They care so much about evangelism, reaching out to people. Um, going out of their way just to go to a coffee shop for several hours to hang out there to talk to the people at a coffee shop. Um, great people. But he preached a sermon and kind of I got to know him uh, through that and just uh, talking to him more and knowing about his background. Um, he wasn't um, the best of kids uh, growing up uh, and just hearing things from him and then secondhand about him. He was uh, if there was going to be a fight in this small little Texas town, he was going to be involved in some sort of way, and he was going to win. Uh, he was going to be the person uh, victorious at the end. Um, he, he went to jail for a, a small period of time uh, because of that at one point. Everyone knew he was a rough kid, a tough kid too. Uh, well, His mom married another individual, member of the church, He's already grown up pretty much 18 or so when they got married. And so uh, it's not like this individual is going to become like a father figure to him. 
um, or that he's going to really be integrated into their family. Uh, but they invited him over for Christmas, their whole family. It's And it's a big family. All of them are Christians. And he decided he would go ahead and go. Uh, he wasn't expecting to get anything, but there was a gift for him. And so that that resonated with him that he hasn't known them very long. And they know about him and his past, but they didn't care. They still bought him a present, made him feel like he was a part of the family, uh, and made him feel loved. And then uh, that family started having a Bible study with him, his mom, his sibling, um, and even his biological dad um, that had just had it sat down, had a Bible study going through a, a pamphlet. I'm not sure exactly which one, uh, but just going through. And because of that family, that love that they showed him being this rascal kid who uh, everybody knew in town was uh, just a, a bad kid. And his life literally just doing a, a 180, just turning around completely um, to the point of he's now no longer affected by that. He and his wife uh, really uh, coming to the truth at the same time. She was in Oklahoma. He was in Texas for a bit. But coming to the conclusion at the same time for the same reasons, because they could see love in people, uh, they could see the truth in Scripture. Uh, and and really just changing their entire lives from from being party kids, uh, teenagers, college kids, turning their lives around and now going, uh, stopping their lives of whatever their plans were to go to a preaching school to get knowledge so that he and that's his plan uh, to be a preacher. Again, just turning his personality. Uh, I've only ever known him as a Christian, so I can't really vouch for who he was before, but everything I've heard from him and other people, uh, it really is just a, a complete 180, a complete turn of uh, this person living a worldly life to now a Christian who is just letting love flow, evangelizing, trying to set up Bible studies, devoting his entire life to God and to Jesus. Um, that's probably one of the biggest stories that has resonated me. Um, me not knowing him personally uh, until recently and not seeing him go through all of that, but knowing him now and just seeing uh, how Jesus has affected him and just Christianity in general, how strong of a Christian he is now because of all that. Uh, it's just it was a really cool story. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because the if you're watching or listening, like as Corey is saying, um, you might think you're the worst of the worst, but it's amazing how the worst of the worst become the best of the best. You know, the ones who are the greatest example, like if you think, oh, I'm so terrible and I'm so bad, I'm so far from God. Think how great of a distance you'll travel to get close to him and how you'll impact those around you. You know, how much of a difference is there between one and two, between one and a hundred? And that's a distance that you, it says for those who have been forgiven much, they love much, you know, because they can appreciate coming from a position of so dirty and bad and then transitioning into a state of being loved and pure before God, they can understand. And I always pray that God will give me the love of Jesus because I don't love the lost enough. I mean, aren't we supposed to love others as Jesus loved us? And why did he do? He sacrificed everything, including his life to come tell us that we need to follow him because then we can be right and that God loves them. And the, what you're choosing, folks, when you choose to be a Jesus follower and a Christian is you're choosing to be loved by God. It's just not, it, the world makes it such a, criminal thing oh christians you know they're terrible and this is that judgmental well guess what 
you can call yourself a Christian. It doesn't make you a Christian. So a lot of people out there, if you're listening and you know, quote, Christians, and you think they're worse than people of the world. Well, first of all, we are worse. We're all terrible. We're all terrible people. No, nothing makes a Christian special except Christ. So don't think that uh, you're going to see a Christian who's, you know, a perfect guy because Jesus is the only perfect person. But what you'll see is if you see a true Jesus follower, you'll see someone who will help you, who will love you and who will be there for you and who will forgive you. And who will, and how will they do that? Because Jesus showed us how to do that. So I'm going to I want to tell about a, another person. I know uh, this person was going to kill themselves and they uh, and they reached out for help because they couldn't feed their family. And someone connected with them and said, OK, I'll help you. I don't I don't believe what you're I don't I know if I believe your situation. Maybe they, they were separated by distance. He said, I don't believe your situation, but I'm going to in faith help you. And so they only needed five dollars. And this person's family was like, uh, it's only five dollars, dad. You know, like the guy I was talking to, it's only five dollars. We could do that. And so he was thinking, well, it's five dollars. I could do that. So he he gave five dollars and then he gave more and more and more. And he, he started helping more. and He started feeding. And then he told the guy, hey, I want you to take I'm going to give you 50 bucks and I want you to take 25 and I want you to give it to people in need in your area. And then you use the other 25. So this is a person who was not a Christian, you know, um, someone. They weren't a Christian at all. They could have lied and stolen from this person, but they did it. Uh, they did it faithfully. They sent pictures and stuff to this guy and uh, he saw those working. But the crazy part is that person who was starting to give realized that I'm not the only guy that's suffering. You see, he wanted to kill himself. He thought, I'm the only guy. I'm alone. I'm by myself. And, 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 and you get in, when, those of you who are dealing with depression and things, you get into your own mind and you forget there's other people out there. There's a world out there who are just the same. And so he was starting to give, give, share. And people were getting joy from this. And he was told to tell them, Jesus is doing this. <laughs> like a Jesus follower. Every time he gave it to him, he had to say, Jesus is doing this. And he couldn't believe that this was happening in his life, right? That God was working through them, even though he wasn't even a Christian. Well, he kept doing that. And he kept doing that. And he got connected with the people in the Lord's church. And he got he got baptized and he became a Christian. And today he's trying to open a home church. He's doing the same thing. And the only thing that changed him was that God used a Jesus follower. And that follower had to have faith and love to help another person who could have stolen from them, who could have lied from them, but said, I'm doing it. Even if you lie to me, I'm still going to do it because God loves you so much. So go ahead and rip me off. Go ahead and steal from me. It doesn't matter because God loves you. And that love of God coming through didn't make sense. It was greater than this world's understanding of love. So I want to let you know, uh, if you're listening and watching, that we have a challenge here for Christians, those who are Jesus followers. And to be a Jesus follower, you have to follow Jesus. Uh, it's not just uh, saying, oh, I believe in Jesus. That's not a follower, right? If Wayne is a, is a height, you know, like a, a serp, a derp, whatever, these guys that go to Mount Everest. And Wayne says, hey, I'll take you up to the top of the mountain. And I go, I believe you, Wayne. And I never follow Wayne up to the top of the mountain. Am I going to get there? No. <laughs> so it's not about believing Wayne is, a, is this hiker, this guy that can take me to the top of the mountain. It's actually following Wayne as he's going to the top of the mountain, isn't it? That's how you're going to get there. So Jesus said, come follow me. He always said, follow me. So it's an active lifestyle, folks. It's, a, it's active. It's not a, a passive thing. And when you follow Jesus, it says you must become what? You must be baptized like he was. He was baptized. The very first thing Jesus did if I want to follow him, was be baptized. And then the next thing he did was to do his father's work. So we have our, our father, God, 
dem Jesus demonstrated and said to us, look, I want you to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The, the baptism is a death. It's like I'm dying to myself. I'm rising again. And then going mm -hmm. to make disciples of all nations. And let me tell you what, this is the most exciting life you could ever have. You might have a, you might be a lawyer, you might be a doctor, you might be a janitor, you might be a, a, a construction person. It doesn't matter what you are, and you might love what you do. Everything you do is meaningless because it's all invested in the planet. It's all invested in the earth. If you build a building, if you defend people's rights and all these things, it's meaningless because it dies with you and it dies with this planet. But when you become a Christian, everything you do matters because you're building your treasure in heaven. So you're constructing your, your, your treasure in heaven. You're defending those who are helpless here. It, it, so it changes your perspective. I'd encourage you to read the Bible uh, and, and learn about it. Read the Gospels. Learn about Jesus. So we have this week's challenge. Thanks for listening to me. That was long-winded. But uh, we have this week's challenge. I want you... Okay, so if you're a Christian, this is for you. If you're not a Christian, the challenge for you is to get to know Jesus. I mean, ask any one of the guys here. I always post on their Facebook uh, links, you know, especially on YouTube. So get to know these guys. Talk to them if you have questions. There is no reason why you shouldn't. If you have a question at all, get that answered. So first of all, if you don't know Jesus, know him. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Read one of the Gospels. Talk to a Christian that you might know, especially us here, because we can help you. We're happy to do that. So post on social media if you are a Christian. And tell a friend, family member, or tell anyone something Jesus spoke about that has changed your life for the better. Just share one thing. Uh, because, you know, if it changed your life, can it change somebody else's? You know, especially on social media. But you, maybe there's someone in your life you didn't even know they were depressed. And you thought you know, they just they could be a friend that you have that might be considering killing themselves. But you don't know this as a Christian. And then you say, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to do what, what this challenge is. And I'm going to tell them, you know, there was a time in my life I was really feeling bad about my life. And I felt like I wanted to take my life. And this verse, this thing Jesus said changed my life. You don't know that person's heart, right? God can use you in people's lives around you. So think about something and you can share it on social media, whatever. It can be a Bible verse, maybe something Jesus said in the Bible um, that you that you think that that's something that really changed my life for the better. That's your challenge this week as a Jesus follower, as a Christian, is to post that, tell somebody about it. And there you go. So what do you guys, what's something I want to ask you guys, Corey, Donnie, and Wayne, let's just short thing. What's uh, something that Jesus spoke? It kind of like shook you up, you maybe, you know, in a time where you needed it. And that was the thing you needed to hear. For me, like I told you, I'll say it first was the pearl of great price, right? I was pursuing all these pearls in the world. I read that from the Bible and it said, Titus, why are you pursuing things that perish when you can choose the imperishable? So that really connected with me because it said, you know, what? all these things I invest my time in worthless. Only the kingdom eternal is priceless. So what do you guys got? I'll go quick first on this one, Titus. Uh, Jesus said, "Come unto me, all of you that labor and are heavy laden." That time that I spoke about, I was I was burdened and I was heavy laden. And Jesus said, "Wayne, if you'll come to me, I'll give you rest." And I needed that, and that, that's what brought me in was just knowing that God could take the burdens and the weight and the struggle off of my shoulder because I was all focused on the world. And when I realized that the world, as you said, is passing away and everything I need to have is in heaven and Jesus' burden is not heavy to bear, he, he gave me a different mission and a different way to live my life. And, and that changed me. And I think it's powerful words coming to me. If you're weary and if you're overburdened and over, overworked, Jesus can help us in our hardest times. Amen. That's good, Wayne. Thanks. 
Yeah, so, um, I mean, for me, uh, really, Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, uh, I don't want to go there and say, say that that's um, just my easy cop-out because uh, it's just the Great Commission. We, we like to go there. For me, uh, it was more uh, of the idea that, you know, the teachings of the disciples, go and teach the things that I've commanded you. Uh, you know, for me, that was just something that just struck me because uh, in Acts chapter 2, I, I don't remember exactly which verse, it's around verse 40 or so, but it says that they were uh, going day by day according to the apostles' doctrine. Well, it wasn't the apostles' doctrine directly. It, they got it from Jesus. And so for me, that's what that's what I'm doing. I'm just sharing what Jesus has already said. And so that one has always really just resonated with me. Of course, me not being raised in the church, the baptism aspect of it as well, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, then go teach, has always just struck me because that's what I needed. I needed to receive salvation. I needed that water to wash my sins away, and then I needed to go teach. Um, I couldn't get out of it. It wasn't just a free pass. I had a job to do after I became a Christian. Um, so that was the, that's the verse that uh, and what Jesus has said that really just hit me. Okay. That's good, Corey, because um, most people don't have a mission, right? I like to call it the Great Commission, the committed mission. Mm-hmm. You're committed to a mission. When you're given a mission, it gives you a purpose, doesn't it? It gives you like a direction and a go. And 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 so that's cool. Yeah, definitely. I love that. And before I go to and Donnie, I appreciate all you guys here. I forgot. To, I, was, I didn't want to go into the closing prayer without saying it. So I appreciate all you guys coming on the show and. Uh, I pray that God is glorified and that if you're listening, that you would come to know him. So I appreciate you guys. Donnie, you go ahead, man. Take it take it away. One verse that, that I think about, and it's actually not something that Jesus said, but he's there. Um, in John 11, where um, Lazarus is sick and he, Jesus waits uh, to go and he, he he tells his disciples, I'm going to wake him out of sleep. And uh, then he says, well, he's dead. Uh, and then he gets to Mary and Martha and Martha, uh, you know, says that I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection in the last day. And um, you go on down to verse 28. When she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister secretly saying, the master has come and calleth for thee. The master has come and he's, he calls for us and uh, he's called me. He's called each of us men here. Uh, he's coming to the world to to save us all. And um, we've got to listen to his words. His words are spirit and they're life. John six sixty three. And so if we want to have that eternal life, we've got to, to hear what the master calls uh, us. So let's close with a word of prayer. Holy Father, who art in heaven, we're so thankful that you sent your son into this world uh, to be the great prophet, to be uh, the Christ, and to be uh, your spokesman. Help us to hear his words. Help us to uh, realize that, that no one has ever spoken like him, that he calls us to be uh, your sons and your daughters. We pray that uh, this uh, lesson tonight, this show will have an impact on many people. Many will Decide to be followers of your son through this effort. It's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen.